0: Thank you, Harneys and Tomes. Psalm 40 is where I'll be. So I'm Psalm 40 in just a minute. Thank you. Amazing song. I do real quick before I start preaching. While you're turning to Psalm 40, just want to do say. I think Pastor said it last week, but I can again echo it from the church staff to say thank you so much for the gifts, the cards, the letters, the kind words that you guys share with us as a staff. And uh, as a as a staff, it's an encouragement. I mean, as we read through our our family, I don't know what the rest of the staff does, but our family sits around the table and we read the cards out with the kids, and we talk about how God has blessed us, and this is not anything because we're anything special, but it's just because God's blessed us with an awesome church family. So for that, we're thankful. So thank you guys for that. There's a card. It'll be on the the back bulletin board there if you'd like to read it, but we do want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts, and I think that would echo through the whole staff. So thank you so much for that. Psalm 40. Psalm 40 is where we'll walk through this morning. I know everyone, uh, our Sunday school class i think everyone stayed up all night for the most part and they were uh wide awake and happy and ready to go this morning when they came to sunday school not really uh but i and i think that some and some of us i think some of us already have stayed up a little bit but uh, getting ready for the night trying to you know, like work itself up like a marathon so i understand that we're tired i understand there's a lot going on it's been a busy time but i believe if we walk through god's word today if you'll stay with us and walk through god's word that god has something to show us and as we walk through it i know that most of us um uh, I think I asked last year how many people are New Year's resolution people. I think there was like five people. But I'll do it again just for the fun of it. How many of you have something that you'd like to change? You're not gonna call it a resolution because you're not a resolution person. I understand that. But you're calling there's something that you'd like to change in the new year coming up. you have got something that you're like, I'm thinking about changing. All right, there's a couple more the new years We just won't call them resolutions anymore. I think that's where I lost it last year. Call it a resolution, you're like, nah, I don't do that stuff. Nobody keeps that. So but as we walk through I don't mean this to be a new year's uh, message or like the jump into the next year, but I believe it could fit since it sits here. But I want to look at in our lives about magnifying God and what it looks like. Psalm 40 verse 16 is an amazing verse and one that I would hope would become something that we, after today, learn to live out. So Psalm 40 verse 16 says this, let all those that seek, thee rejoice and be glad in such as love thy salvation, say continually, the Lord be magnified. So as soon as we got to the right word, we're going. So I'll read that again. Psalm 40, verse 16. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. But such as love thy salvation, say continually, the Lord be magnified. Now I think on paper, we all know what magnification is. We all know what it means to magnify the Lord. And when we say magnification, we're not talking about that our God is so small that we have to get our microscopes out and look and see all the intricate details of our God. When we're talking about magnifying God, we're talking more as a telescope being the lens to which we see things that are way bigger than us in such clarity and in such, from our perspective, we can't grasp it. But then as we look through the telescope, When we look through that lens, we can see how beautiful these huge things in our galaxy are. And this is what we start to do with God. Because, see, for me to magnify myself, to find out the good things that I have, I do have to get a magnifying glass. And I have to really accentuate how good I am. Like when we start thinking about our social media world, we're all familiar with this. Don't take a picture of it. Don't post that. That's not my good side. I have to magnify how good I look. But when I magnify my Savior, I magnify God, it doesn't matter what aspect I look, I want to become the lens to which others see me clearly. And I find that in my life, I do a poor job of magnification sometimes. John the Baptist says it's the best. I think John the Baptist, when he's talking with his, um, his disciples, his disciples are coming to him in John chapter 3 at the end, and they're just talking to him about how all his disciples are following Jesus. So they're leaving to follow Jesus, and all his disciples are leaving, and his other disciples are starting to be like, John, what's going on? <laughs> like, some of Jesus' best disciples were once John's disciples. And John puts it the best. And I think human words can describe it when John says in John 3:30, He must increase, and I must decrease. John says, it's no problem. As Jesus' forerunner, John says it like this. I'm just the bridegroom's friend. I'm the best man here. And I'm really hoping that the groom gets everything he desires. I'm here to make sure his day is the best. And John says, hey, in my thought of this whole thing, if I live my whole life, And I constantly decrease and he constantly increases that I will make, I will live the life that I was called to live. But I can say a lot of times in my life in this past year, as we look at it and in my life in general, Aaron Burden has a struggle with trying to increase. See, there are moments where my talents and abilities that God has given me, I claim them as my own as something I did, as something I deserved or I earned. I look at my time, not as the time that God has given me to redeem and to use for his honor and glory, but that I can cram everything that I want into life. A lot of times, in a lot of areas of my life, it's a lot easier to see Aaron Burden than it is to see Jesus Christ. And Psalm 40 is going to walk us through this. What does it mean? What does it look like to continually say it? Not just with our mouth, but with our whole lives, continually say, the Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. Everybody that sees me, sees through me the lens to see that God is magnified. He is as magnificent as he is. And so though from your perspective, you may not always see it, I would hope that you would look at my life and see, Lord be magnified. Can I ask you the same? In your life. Dad. In your life, do your kids see more of you or do they see more of Christ? Like when they see you, are you a magnification of a God that looks so far away at times to your children so they can look into your life and they see God is just as beautiful and magnificent as the word of God says he is? Mom, when the days are hard and things are tough, do, does your family see you decreasing and Christ increasing on your job as you work and you strive to be the best, and I hope you do try to strive to be the best at what God has called you to do, but as you're doing it, is it, I have to do this because I really want them to see how awesome I really am that I can handle this, that I can do this, I can take on this responsibility, or is it I really want them to see who my God is? As we live life, it's easy for us to be always so self-focused that we miss the awe of who God is. Paul Tripp in his book, Awe and Why It Matters, he talks about how that everything in this physical world everything horizontally points me to vertical awe to see who God is. And a lot of times that is not the case in my life. You can look at Aaron Burden and sometimes really miss how amazing God is. And as we walk through Psalm 40 this morning, I just want to see because this Psalm is beautifully written to show us how over and over and over and over again we can see, we can say, We can be the people that say continually, the Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. Or as John said it, he must increase. And I must decrease. So we're just going to literally today, this morning, you may have gotten your bulletin, uh, just the map of what we're going to walk through. It's just simply, it's not, you can write whatever notes you want in that blank. I just wanted to give you a map that keeps me knowing where we're going. And you guys know where we're going. And so when we get there, we'll know we're all at the same place. So as we walk through it, we're just going to simply walk through Psalm chapter 40, verse by verse, and just look at this whole picture of what it looks like to be magnified by God. So Psalm 40, verse 16, I'm going to read it again. In verse number 17, and then we're going to pray. Psalm 40, 16, and 17. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy. If the Lord thinketh upon me, thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tearing, O my God. So let's pray, and we'll open God's. We're going to find out what he has for us. Lord, we need your help. Lord, as I ah. Uh, preach through Psalm chapter 40, Lord, there is a part of Aaron Burden that does want to stand in front of these people and show them that I think I know what I'm doing up here, but Lord, honestly, Lord, as we walk through this, Lord, I just want you to be seen. I want you to be magnified. So God, I pray that you would please do whatever it takes to be magnified this morning. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in my heart and Lord, in my mouth as it moves that it would say nothing that would hold back from your hinder, your glory, and your majesty in these moments. And then God, I pray that as We sit down and listen as a church, that God, you'd open our hearts, and Lord, our hearts would be open, that the word would fall on good ground, it would bring forth fruit, and that Lord, in your Holy Spirit working in our congregation, that God, you would be magnified even again. So God, we're asking for your help in every aspect of this service this morning. God, nothing will happen, Lord, unless you meet with us. So God, we ask him for your help, guide us through it, in Jesus' name we pray, it. amen. All right, Psalm chapter 40, we're just going to walk through this passage, starting in verse number one, so I'm going to start reading. Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. So the first three verses, as we wrap them together, as we walk through this passage, how do I consistently continually say the Lord be magnified and the first way we'd see it is in our testimony in our testimony we can, we can show the magnification of our Lord in the testimony that we all have now some of us have more I guess sometimes we say more exciting testimonies because God pulled us out of this miry clay but if we're honest everybody in here if you got saved when you were two and somehow you understood because you're some kind of child prodigy like you were still a miry clay and you still didn't need God to pull you out and put your feet on a rock. And so when I start to magnify God, it comes out in verse number one. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he had climbed into me, and he heard my cry. And it wasn't like I was patiently waiting, and God came along. I had been begging for God. God came and found me, almost like the prodigal son, where I was coming to him. And he came to me and reached out. My testimony, he, verse two, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit. When you think about the story of Joseph, and you think about how you have such sibling problems. Some of you guys, I have to do apologize again for not having Junior Church guys, because I was, once again, sorry to be in two places at the same time. But Junior Church, next year, same time, same channel, I'll be back there. And that's next week for those of you who didn't get that. So next year, we'll be back there and ready to go. But when we start thinking about for you guys at Junior Church, we picture picture Joseph being thrown into a pit and having such sibling problems that they want to kill him, and they just decide to sell him and keep the money. And so, as they throw Joseph in the pit, this is the description that we have. This is where I was, this is where you were, according to your testimony. You were in a pit where you could not get out. The, Bible, the word here could have the same idea of a well. Like you fall down in a well and there is no hope. There's no like, oh, I'm just, if I could run, jump to the top, I'll grab on like Batman and fling up to the top and run out of here. None of that's happening. I was stuck. And he says, he brought me up also in a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, out of the slimy, sticky stinky mud that I had wrapped myself in. And he set me on a rock. And if I want to magnify God, how do I continually say it? I say it through my testimony. Through what Christ did for me. Now that looks different for all of us. Some of us have testimonies that whoa, you should write a book about that. Some of us have testimonies that it's like you know what? I was seven years old in junior church, and God saved me from a lot of things, and I praise the Lord that I did. But you know what? Even as a seven-year-old, the lies I told were miry clay that were going to mess up my life. The pride that I have was still going to take me to ruin and destruction. And so when I look at my testimony, and I think that whatever stage I was, whatever state I was in, when I asked Christ to save me, he took me out of miry clay and set my feet on a rock. And he not only did that, but he established my going. He gave me something to live for, a direction to head. When the best I could do was manufacture what I thought I wanted in life, he established my goings. And he goes on and he says, and he has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. He took me from where I was. He put me on a rock. He gave me purpose in life. And then he gave me a new song. Now, I don't, and it's not, I don't, there's nothing like, super spiritual here when I say this, so I don't want to think, like, this is a past thing, but I don't listen to secular music much, so I don't, every now and then, maybe get down to the Andy Griffith whistle theme or something, but other than that, like, I don't really listen to a lot of secular music, but I do I go to the gym, and when I go to the, the gym sometimes, like, I hear the songs playing, and I guess they're in the top something, and sometimes when I hear them, I'm just like, wow, you guys have really nothing to sing about, <laughs> like, this, this is discouraging, <laughs> I'm sorry he broke up with you, and I'm sorry your life is headed that way. But you need Jesus. <laughs> like it'll it'll shift a lot of these problems. <laughs> I mean, I know I know you're the man, and you got women all over, and you got that car. But, brother, you just need Jesus, man. He'll handle all the problems you got. Like, and I don't listen to it a lot. But isn't it wonderful to know that God took me out of the miry clay. He set my feeling right, He established my goal. He gave me purpose. And then he put a song in my mouth as they sang earlier on both groups. As we start singing about that Christmas grace, what God's done to me, that can put a smile on my face at any point in my life to think where I was and what Jesus did for me. And I can, it puts a new song in my heart. I mean, I don't have to get down with all the other stuff. God put that song within me. And when I start seeing that, the Bible says, Many will see it and will trust in him. So all of a sudden, I become that testimony where Jesus Christ brought me out of the miry clay and set my feet on the rock. Well, I was five years old. You were still in the miry clay. And Jesus set your feet on the rock. He gave you a purpose. And he put a song in your heart. And when people see that, see your testimony, all of a sudden, they trust him. You become that lens. So that everyone around you sees, wow, God is just as magnificent as his word says he is. He must increase and I must decrease. But a lot of times, how our testimonies go, because a lot of times our testimonies go with how bad we were, the steps we took to get there, how all these things that had to do with us. And we miss that the only glorious thing that makes my testimony a magnification of who God is, is God. And that he loved me. And that he did anything for me. That in Romans 5, 8, that he commended, he showed, he demonstrated his love for me. That while I was a sinner, he died for me. That's the only thing that makes my story of any consequence. And when I live that, and when I sing that song that he put in my heart, many will see him. And believe. This was um, this happened, I think it was yesterday Aaron was telling me and it was, just because I was preaching on this it just brought it up. I guess Tavian came to um, Aaron and the wonderful soul winner he is he was trying to make sure that Aaron knew for sure she was going to heaven and so he walked up and said mom are you saved? (laughs) And he's just asking and Aaron's and Aaron made a statement. This has nothing to do with Metro, but it just popped in my head. And Aaron's like, you know what? I decided to tell him my testimony because I don't think he knew my testimony. And he's, she's like talking about how growing up, I don't remember if I ever heard, not my my in-laws aren't here, I don't think. And I don't, I'm not saying this negative to my in-laws since everybody knows my in-laws. But I'm just saying like, she's like, I don't remember hearing my parents' testimony. Like I don't remember how, hearing how they were saved. And then I thought about it. I couldn't tell you my parents' testimony. I've never even heard how my mom and dad got saved. And then it hit me that one of the greatest things that shows how great God is, I've never even stopped to tell my children. And when we start thinking about it, this is the telescope in Psalm chapter 40 that shows God and not just, whoa, that's a God so far away. Oh, man, I'm sure on that clear, cool night, that looks wonderful. But I don't see him because soon as I look I don't know. But this is the testimony that says, I'm telling you, God is all who he says he is. Because if you had known me, he took me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock. He established my goings. And he put a song in my heart. So the first thing that we see is that there's a testimony here that shows forth who God is. And we keep going. Verse number four Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lie. So blessed is this person, this individual, that maketh the Lord his trust. He puts his trust in God and doesn't have respect to the proud, the overconfident. The people think that they know everything and have the direction they're going. He says, no, I'm not going to follow that. I'm not going to give respect to that. Or the person that goes, keeps going verse number um, four, it says, nor such as turn aside the lies. Or the people that are following and being deceived, I don't want any part of that. He keeps going, many, Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done. And thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offerings thou didst not not desire. mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come, and the volume of the book is written of me. I delight to thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. So the second thing is, the second Lens, how I become this lens to see the magnification of God becomes in how I trust. And how the psalmist says in all of the psalms, like I love the psalm, because like there's there's so much emotion. There's when David's angry at his enemies, and it's like, God kill them, do everything terrible to them. And then, but there's also like every emotion you find in the Psalms. But he says, Lord, when I begin to think that you think of me that you have all these wonderful thoughts toward me. And if I were to sit down and start to number them, they are innumerable. So blessed is that person who trusts in you. And as we go into Psalm chapter 40, Psalm 40 has a prophetic element to it because if you go over to Hebrews 10, which we'll do in just a second, we'll go over to Hebrews 10 and we'll see that there in here in this passage, David's talking about Jesus Christ and he gives us a picture of Jesus Christ, which David writing this would not have seen the whole thing. But then we on this other side of it get to see the whole picture of what God's done for us. So we see the first lens is that my testimony, points people to Christ, shows his magnification. But my trust, how I, as Pastor Ferguson would say, if you were here, how I take God at his word, shows to everyone, he is worthy to me. And then it's almost like in the couple verses, he says, this is why you should trust him. This is why you can trust. You can trust God because not only are his thoughts towards you innumerable like so many that it's unnumberable can you can we just fathom that for just one second that the God of the universe even has the time of day to think about one thought about me would be huge Like that God even took of all the things going on in God's world that he even thought about Aaron Burden today would be like wow just think alright I'll put it this way I remember, um, since most of you guys know, I enjoy photography and I enjoy those things. But the photographer that I followed, um, that I thought, like I told my wife all the time, like if I can get to where he is, that, that's it. I remember one time he sent me a message on a Sunday morning and, he, and I didn't even know he knew who I was. He sent me a message and he said, he's from um, New Zealand, so he said, mate. He's like, hey mate, I wrote about you on my blog, told people to go check you out. And I remember, like, it was like, I was like, a teenage girl. Not, no offense to teenage girls. But I was like, I was thrilled. I was like, oh my goodness. I ran to Aaron and I was like, look, he sent me a message. He, he knows my name. And I remember being so excited about that. And Aaron's like, okay, yeah. I'm going to get for, ready for church now. And, but I remember like in my, my mind, like this is huge. But to think about the God of heaven, not just knowing my name, but having so many thoughts towards me that if I started to number them, I'd lose count. That's why he's trustworthy. But it gets even better because let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 10 real quick. Hebrews chapter 10, these same verses, these same verses that we just read in Psalm chapter 40, these same words are in Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, he's going to talk about how this is a prophetic thing, talking about who Jesus Christ is. So we'll see these same words in Hebrews chapter 10. Now, if you're there, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number one for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto unto perfect for then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin so can I jump in and give you some context we're talking about the Old Testament sacrifices Okay, so the sacrifices they did all the time all the time all the time but they were never going to take away their sin Okay, so we keep going verse number three but in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. So, because of these sacrifices, they remembered their sinners. Verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Okay. So, we've been doing all these sacrifices over and over and over again, but it is impossible that these sacrifices were ever going to take away our sins. They were a picture of what Christ was going to do. Verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into this world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared. Prepared me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices, for sin thou hast had no pleasure. So here's our same words from Psalms, which David would not have known all the scope of this. We go on. He says, um, verse number seven. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of this book it is written, To do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifices and burnt offerings, same words, and offerings for sin thou wouldest not, neither had thou pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said I, lo, I come to do the will, thy will, O God. He taketh away the first. This is Jesus. Taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified to the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which should never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies he made his footstool for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified and so we come back to psalm verse 40 we jump back into those verses says many o lord of my god are thy wonderful works which thou hast done and thy thoughts which are to us words they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee if i would declare and speak of them they are more than can be numbered here's the verses sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire mine ears hast thou opened Bird offering and sin offering, thou hast hast thou not required. Then said I, lo, I come, and the volume of the book is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God, if a law is written with my heart. So can you walk with me real quick as we walk through this, as we think through this? So here's what we got. God has so many wonderful thoughts towards me that it's innumerable. And as David is writing this, David's is talking about how, and same thing in Psalm 51, how he's like, God, I know that you don't want sacrifices over and over again that mean nothing. Like if in Psalm 51, he says, God, I know you want a broken and contrite heart. If I could give you all the sacrifices for my sin, I would give them to you. But sacrifices aren't what you want. But when we, from this side of it, look back and we see Hebrews, we see that all these sacrifices, or just a picture of what one day we get to experience. So I can trust God because of this. So I don't know. This is a dumb illustration, okay? So, But I don't know any way to do it. So just bear with me. It's a dumb illustration. Have you ever... I know some of you are on Facebook, and I'm sorry. I just offended like half you. I don't do that Facebook thing. Okay, okay. Just go with me anyway. Like, have you ever had like this awesome moment where maybe it was a sunset or maybe it was like something and you... You like whip up your phone, you take a picture of this amazing moment and you look at your phone and you're like, that's not what it looked like, but it'll do. And you upload and then like, and after Facebook like your picture and you upload it, then everybody else is looking at this picture and like, I don't even know what that is. But in your caption, it's like, this is so wonderful. It was such an amazing sunset tonight. Okay, scroll, scroll, scroll. <laughs> I don't know. This is, what the, this is what the offerings were. Like, the offerings were like pictures that could never capture what Jesus was going to do. They were just pictures of, like, one day, these bulls that can never take away your sin are going to mean something, like, beautiful when Christ comes. Yeah, the Messiah is coming. And as they stand in line, they hit this, like, little grainy picture of what God was going to do one day. And this is the same picture David sees. And as we're reading in Psalm chapter 40, all of a sudden we see in Hebrews chapter 10 that what was happening is I can trust God because he thinks on me and that he came. He paid for my sins one time and he sat down and was done. And then he says this, and I delight to do the will of God. That Jesus did all that for me. He died he was beaten. All those things that those sacrifices look like. And we would say, oh man, if us sending the Americans who I would prefer to buy my meat at Kroger than to actually handle it and chop it up myself, I'd rather, I don't want to see that. The violent thing of what it was to watch sacrifices was just a picture of what they were going to do to our Savior when they didn't even know he was a man. He wasn't recognizable as a man. But he did that. And he thought of us. And he delighted to do the will of God. So I can trust him. Those sacrifices were just a picture. Because the God of heaven, who thinks on me, not only just thinks about me, he gave his life for me, and he delighted to do it. He delighted, as Isaiah 53 said, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, we are healed. He delighted in it. And David only saw a little bit. So the what what this telescope that shows me the magnification of God starts with my testimony about what God does for me, but it goes deeper into my deep trust of who God is. Who spared not his own son, but delivered him up. How shall he not freely give us all things? That I can trust God because he thinks on me so much so that he gave his son to die for me and was happy to do it so that I could know, so that I could experience who Jesus is. So now all those people standing in line doing sacrifices that never knew, Aaron and Burton can stand here before you guys today having experienced what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. Knowing that it's not just a blurry picture. I've experienced that love. I've watched what he did through the word of God and then watched what he's done in my life. And I can say, I'm sorry that you guys saw that little grainy picture on Facebook, but I experienced the whole thing and what he did. And because of that, when I understand and I start to trust him, it is a telescopic thing that says, hey, oh, magnify the Lord. The Lord be magnified over and over and over again. So it comes from my testimony, it comes from truth. But then we keep going, Verse number nine. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and the truth from the great congregation. So three here we see. We see this magnification. The Lord be magnified in the way I talk. Now, I'll read this real quick one more time. I have preached. Now, this is not the preached like. I'm pretending to do up here right now. This is preaching like proclaiming, exclaiming all the glories of God. So I have preached righteousness in the great congregation, Lo, I have not refrained my lips. Now some of us can read this verse sometimes and out of this context it would make perfect sense. I have not refrained my lips because it just seems like stuff is just always coming out that shouldn't be coming out. But there is never a time where praises to God need to be refrained. Where it's not a bad time for me to talk about the goodness of God. And so he says, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. Now, can that be said in the way that I talk? That everything in me, man, I never hide how good God's been to me. I don't care who knows. It's like the shepherds. Since we're talking Christmas here, like the shepherds going back running through town, making a ruckus. I don't care who knows. I just saw the Messiah. I'm going to let everybody know. Forget the sheep. This is the biggest deal that's ever happened. And, but most of the time in my life, I'm not magnifying because this isn't the way I talk. Do, do my children hear me talk about how wonderful God is. The people around my house, I think it was D.L. Moody, I think he said that if a man loves the Lord, even his cat should know, or something like that, because he he'd stop kicking the cat. Like one of D.L. Moody's best quotes, I think, just nobody knows about it. But, uh, hey, but he's like, everybody should know. Do the people in my house know? Do I conceal the faithfulness of God? Then if I am, I'm not being that teller. When I go to work, When I'm around the community, is this the way my mouth talks? That can I tell you how wonderful, how amazing, how faithful, how merciful, how much loving kindness and truth my God has? Is that the way I communicate? Because if that's the way I'm communicating, I am showing to the world, my God is as magnificent as his word says he is. But if not, most of the time, my words are filled with Complaint about why things aren't the way I want them to be. Why this isn't always the way I'd want it. They're filled with anger because, no, this isn't the way my justice system says it should be done. And in those moments, I'm not a good magnifier. I'm not showing anybody how wondrous my God is. And when we started looking at him, like, like, if there's ever a place on earth that it would be so exciting to walk into, that it would be so, like you'd think that everybody would be talking, it would seem like that would be a church. Like it seemed like as soon as we walk in this building, if there's ever a place on this planet earth, that we'd be so excited to talk about the mercies of God. And I know that every time, like some people just don't talk in front of people, but it's funny because like you're like, anybody got praises? Crickets, crickets, crickets. God is so good. Can we sing that verse again? God is so good. Praise And the psalmist says, Lord, you know. I can't even refrain my lips. Every time I open my mouth, man, God is so good. Can I tell you what He did to me today? God, God is so great how He's working in my life right now. And that's when I become that lens. So everybody around me starts to look and see, I don't know what's going on with that lunatic but he really believes whatever his God is doing in his life and I need a part of that. But most of the time we're like, we're the Christians that the people see and they're saying, whatever that is, I don't want to have anything to do with it. We start looking at this magnification then lastly we look through it and this I would say is the beauty of the Psalms, the beauty of the word of God, the beauty of walking through the passage but I would say it's one of the hardest. He goes through and he says this in verse number 11 that same tender loving care that I'm talking about that God shows it to me he says in verse number 11 withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me O Lord let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve thee so pretty much the psalmist is getting serious here and he's saying Lord that same thing that I can't refrain my lips about the same things that I just, just run in my mouth all the time about how God's good to me because God I need those I'm going to need that loving kindness that I tell everyone about. Because he goes on, verse number 12. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. My iniquities have taken hold upon me. So that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. And now the psalmist gets real. Hey, I do tell everybody about how awesome God is. But I'm just going to be honest with you. God, that same that to the mercy that I tell everybody about. God, I need those right now, for innumerable evils are on me. Some things I didn't do, I didn't ask for, they're happening to me. And he goes on, he says, my iniquities, some of these things are my fault. I made bad decisions. I'm living with consequences. God, from innumerable evils have come to me about, my iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Now, for some of us, that's not a big deal. It'll only take one problem in the whole day (laughs) to make it more than the hairs on our heads. But for some of us, we've been here. We understand in all seriousness, we know what it is to have so much going on that it's like my heart is failing right now. He says in verse number 13, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. And almost like Jesus' prayer in the garden, If it be your will, let this cup pass from me. God, if you're pleased, if it be according to your will, these innumerable evils that hold on me, that I have to bear, God, I would ask if you'd be pleased, if it would be your will, to take them from me. But he goes on in verse number 14, I mean verse number 13. But either way, oh Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed to confound it together, that I seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backwards and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for reward of their shame that say unto me, "Aha, aha." Lord, I need your help. One of the things I need you to do is you need to, Lord, can you shut the mouth of those things, of those people who would cause me not to trust you, who would cause me to doubt your goodness? The people who look at me and say, aha, I told you, Ah, aha, I told you. God, can you shut that down? Because those same mercies that I needed, that I mean that I tell everyone about, I need them now, Lord. And the last thing is we become a magnification in our troubles, how we walk through our troubles. I become a magnification of God because of my testimony. (laughs) that God brought me out of a miry clay. Clay, he put my feet on a rock and established my glowings. Like, I become a testimony of God of how I trust him. I can't trust him. He thinks about me all the time. He loves me. He died for me and it pleased him to do so. I have to because of the way I talk. Everything that comes out of my mouth praises who my God is. But one of the hardest and the most, I would say, one of the most clear becomes how god takes us through our troubles because when god walks us through our troubles nothing screams so clearly that god is who he says he is and we can navigate our troubles when we look through the bible i guess when we think of like it gave me a perspective because a lot of times we think of the bible as heroes and i was can't remember who i was hearing preaching but he was talking about how the bible was a book of heroes book of broken people that God used and did wonderful things in their lives. and It changes your perspective that you see that. Now, there are a whole bunch of broken people whose God did something in their lives and made a story that all of us think like, man, I would love to be Daniel, but I don't want to go to the lion's den. I would love to be Job, but I don't want to go through the trials he did. I want to be, and they're not heroes. They're just people who magnified God so through their struggles, through their troubles. We looked at them and we saw, wow, God is so amazing. And I would love to experience that. But we don't want to experience the struggles that it took to get there. And when we start looking at it, the psalmist is... It's almost like you're laughing and joking with your friends. Like, yeah, God is good. But then you, you, you sit down with your close friends, and you have the the conversation that says, but right now, really, innumerable evils are on me right now. My heart fails. And in those moments, that is when God shows himself to others around us so clearly. But we don't really want to walk through those things. But all of us know, we read through the word of God, when Job loses everything and the Bible says he tears his clothes, falls down to the ground and says, naked came out of my mother's womb. Naked will I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That doesn't in all of us speak something to how amazing our God is. And so when we start looking at it, when my testimony works and I, and I begin to talk about how, what God did for me when I'm trusting him like I should because not because my way always looks like it but because I know because in the word of God he's shown me he's let me experience that he thinks on me he loves me he's been pleased to do something for me and when my talk begins to say hey everyone I just want you to know how wonderful my God is but then even in my troubles I come to the conclusion of verse 16 Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. And to keep it going, verse 17, this heart, this attitude, this mindset has to be there. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. Because of who I am, because I'm a poor and needy person. And in our culture, we hate to describe ourselves that way. Like, don't, don't call me poor and needy. I don't need nobody. I got this on my own. But in order for God to be magnified, I have to come to the conclusion that I'm a poor and needy person. But there's a God in heaven who thinks about me and because he thinks about me in 2018 tomorrow morning, whatever it is because there's a God in heaven who thinks about me I just want everybody to know him. I want to magnify him. Now this is silly but in Cinderella, I think it's the right Disney princess I'm thinking here we think it's a great story that uh, that some little girl who's evil stepmoms making her wash the floor and all that, do her chores. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, But doing all these horrible things to her and then there's a prince somewhere that finds her slipper and that looks all over, searches all over for her and Disney makes lots of money from it. There's a God in heaven who takes Aaron Burden and all the things that Aaron Burden has wrong (laughs) and all the times where Aaron Burton tries to take credit for what God has done, all the times that Aaron Burton does things that God said not to do. He does all those things, and he looks down at Aaron Burton and he says, my thoughts for you are innumerable. You, my friend, are poor and needy. But I'm thinking about you. But I'm thinking of you. And if Hollywood could make, I mean, Disney could make a little bit of money putting together this and then take it out of the vault and put it back in the vault and take it out of the vault and put it back in the vault, if they can do that, What about the story that the God of heaven thinks about us and that when we were in the miry clay, he brought us out and he established our goings and he did something for us. Now, if we've experienced that today, should we not continually say, the Lord be magnified, the Lord be magnified? The Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. Hey, man, good job at work. The Lord be magnified. Hey, man, I appreciate... The Lord be magnified. Because there's a God in heaven who even thought about me today multiple times. So many times I could even not even count them all. Wouldn't that change my perspective? Wouldn't it make my testimony something while well, I was four years old? But the God of heaven... <laughs> when I was four, he thought about me and he took me out of the miry clay and set my feet on a rock and he established my goings. And the trust would it not change my whole thought if I think I am poor and needy, but the Lord thinketh on me when I think that, hey, I was a lost sinner on my way to hell, but the Lord had thoughts about me so much so that even back in Psalms, when David was writing this, he had already made a plan back in the New Testament that was going to happen that I was going to be able to be saved from my sins. And he was pleased to do so i can trust him the oh, lord be magnified that the blessings that he's given to me are so innumerable the wonderful works that he does i guess i got to change my vocabulary and say i just can't refrain my lips not from saying foolishness but just telling you everyone how great god is and even in the midst of my troubles And I tread carefully here. But even in the midst of my troubles, I know that when my heart fails me, I have a God who that same loving kindness and I tell everyone about, he has some for me. And that he gave his son, he did it because he loves me. He wants me to know he loves me. And so, If it be pleased you, oh God, would you deliver me? But either way, God, would you please help me? And when I come to these kind of, when I live this life, when us as individuals live this kind of life, the world begins to look at us. And they look at us and they know that is nothing in Aaron Burton. (laughs) That is nothing in any member of Trinity Baptist Church. That is nothing in my dad. That is nothing in my mom. That is nothing in my family member. That's a picture in how amazingly awesome God is. And so I have to say continually, the Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. The Lord be magnified. So that every around me sees. Not Aaron Burden, but God, because he's increasing.